Hello and welcome to The Conversation with me, Amanda Decadene. This series of The Conversation is brought to you by VS Voices, another fantastic podcast I host, which highlights trailblazing women from around the world to celebrate the multifaceted nature of the female experience. You can listen to Voices on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. On this week's episode, I'm speaking to model and activist Sabrina Elba. Hi. Hi. Where are you? Don't even know anymore lately. <laughs> even all of it. I'm, I'm you've been on the go. Been on the go, leaving tomorrow morning, but as of right now, I'm home in London. So mm. nice to be home if only for a short while. Yeah, I understand. There's something that you just cannot be sleeping in your own bed. No. Definitely not. And that's something it's funny that I appreciate the older I get, actually, because before I used to be like a major FOMO thing and I'd be like, oh, I want to go out and I'll stay at whoever's into And now I can't be bothered to leave my bed, let alone. I know. Honestly, I know you've been doing a bit of it, but my friends who are walking in shows during fashion weeks or friends of mine that are at shows. And I used to do that every single season. And I have been looking at my friends' Instagrams and speaking to them and thinking, I've not had my hair and makeup done in over a year at this point. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm so grateful that I can stay at home and that I don't feel like I have to be there anymore. It's nice to show up and support your friends and do things that are important, obviously, or picking things that you just really want to be a part of. But just that kind of cycle of constantly being out and just not having enough time just to kind of regroup and center. I wouldn't have the energy today. No, I totally get it. I think also for me, it's like I have 20 new pairs of sweatpants and the idea of putting on anything that constricts me in any way is such a chore now. And I'm like, how did I wear heels? I don't remember breaking my hair my clothes shrunk, I think, or I grew. Like, <laughs> <laughs> these things just happening, but I totally get it. Very relatable to a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. And I don't know if this is happening to you, but I'm really comfortable talking to anybody. I can talk to someone on the bus. I can talk to someone I'm interviewing them. I like people. I'm really curious about people. And I've never been stuck for words. And I find myself now when I do go out, and it's a group of more than four or five people, I find myself thinking, what do I say? Like really awkward. That's so funny. I wonder if it has something to do with lack of just practice and getting out there and speaking to people, but also just finding different outlets. Like social media has become a much bigger part of my life in terms of using my battery percentage on my phone, embarrassingly. But I am finding myself sort of emotionally spent by the time I leave my door. So if anyone wants to talk, I feel talked out. That's a really good point. Like maybe we're putting our insights and our energy and our conversation, if you will, maybe we're actually putting it into a post or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And also having to, I don't know if you feel this, but certainly having to document things that if you don't keep up with it, then you slip down in algorithms and like weird things like that, or you get shadow banned or, and it just feels like the amount of time and energy you have to put into constructing what you put on social, because it has to have the right tone and the right language and the right everything. And no one can afford to make a mistake with that. So it does take a lot of brain power. Definitely. I think people don't realize how much of themselves they put into a post. 
the time that it takes to build up the confidence to first post an image of yourself that you scrutinized all day out of the hundred and then write something that you think fits or maybe not, but everyone's going to judge you on what the caption is. It is quite a bit of a mental toll that we probably don't think about, let alone how it affects people younger. No, you're totally right. I've really been thinking about that a lot, actually, because for a while, it was the only way we could communicate with each other in lockdown was to mm. see what our friends were doing in their homes or their COVID bubbles. Were you in London for lockdown? We were for a small part of it. We were one of the only people who were still traveling when no one was traveling because the entertainment industry didn't stop. That's intense. Actually, part of the reason that me and my husband started this sort of coupled um, lifestyle thing that we're doing through Stable Labs, which is a brand that we started through lockdown, was to connect people because we realized in isolation how important it is to really take care of and nurture the relationships that you have in your life. Like I found myself worrying about my family a lot more and missing friends, but realizing also maybe which friends I'm closer to and because mm, speaking that, to more frequently, yeah. That I mean, happened to me too, where I totally. also realized that some people who I thought would be on my speed dial forever, actually I hadn't spoken to them in months and I didn't really miss them. Or yeah. I actually felt better that I hadn't spoken to them. But did it make you think the relationships around me are actually so important? Not only do they affect my mental state, as you've just pointed out, they also affect time spent and your productivity, how you live your life, how you get to your dreams. So much of our lives is about the people that we interact with. Yes. Particularly those we interact with on a daily basis that those relationships need to be talked about. So they do. Absolutely. So how long have you been married? Oh, it's been almost three years in a couple months. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's great. It's amazing. And where did you grow up? I grew up on the West coast of Canada in a city called Vancouver. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And I can hear something in your accent. It was super interesting because <laughs> there's not a lot about your early life, which I'm always so interested in what shapes somebody. And so I was super curious. So you grew up in Vancouver. Do you have siblings? I do. I have two brothers, two sisters who I'm so close with and miss dearly every day, but going to see them tomorrow. So it's great. And are your parents still together? My dad passed away when I was 12. Sorry. My mom's kind of always been this strong, independent woman. She remarried and then got a divorce. And then she's single now and ready to mingle. And I'm enjoying this side of her. So, Would you say that your mom was a role model for you? Oh, absolutely. Be role model. It's funny. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day about doting parents or parents who are always there. But my mom was a single mom raising five children at the point that she had us all and fair enough, had to work. So we were in nursery or daycare or babysitting each other. So we couldn't see her as much, but I am so close to my mom. And the conversation I was having with my friend is whether children who have doting parents are closer to their parents, can they still appreciate their parents and build successful friendships with them if they're not around all the time? Yeah, what was the outcome of that? What did you discover? I actually think that being too doting can sometimes push away. Mm -hmm. You want independence. And I think if you start earning for that independence at an early age, it carries on further into your life that you become very, I can do my own thing. But I don't know. I think people are all different and circumstance and nature versus nurture, whatever the arguments are. So we I kind mean, I of- I do agree it. with you. You think so? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I was a mom when I was 19. And, yeah. and then I had twins 14 years later. 
and get I, out. <laughs> yes, I that's mean, a journey. That's an education. Re- <laughs> it really is. I've been a mom since I was a teenager. And I have to say that I do think that there is such a thing as overparenting. They call it like helicopter mm. parenting, mm. but it is, I think they get really entitled and I think they expect you to do things. They don't have gratitude and appreciation for the fact that it's still time out your day. I've definitely had this discussion with my kids. If they want more money, they have to earn it. They have to do stuff to earn it. I think there's a fine line and it's hard to find what that line is, but- totally. Do you want kids? Absolutely. I love children. I am obsessed with them. I don't think I'm ready for kids though. My life has changed so much in the past five years. I feel like I'm flying through the sky and I don't know where I'm going to land yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my friends look at me and they're like, but you're married. And I'm like, no, but that has nothing to do with it. Like I said, my mom on the other side is like, you're never going to be ready. It's, you can't plan it. Yeah. And I think that shows a lot of care for yourself that you know, okay, my life is moving really fast. A lot has changed. And I want to be more present and grounded. Once I get pregnant and have kids, I think that shows phenomenal foresight. I would listen to that as someone who, you know, yes, your mom is right that you're never like 100%. But also maybe you're in a cycle of doing a lot of work, planting a lot of seeds and growing a lot of stuff that doesn't include children today, might do in a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years feels right. And, you know, for whatever anyone says that it's possible for women to have baller careers, baller relationships and have kids, something suffers. And that is absolutely the truth, because for parents who are parenting together, someone has to make a sacrifice at some point. And we had a really great conversation with Tom Daly, the Olympic swimmer and his partner about some of the sacrifices they have to make. One is a critically acclaimed award-winning writer producer as well. And the other is an Olympic swimmer. So you've got two super demanding, self-isolating type of careers. And I found it so interesting when we sat down with them that they made a conscious decision at the beginning. It's like, okay, look, I'll take this time and it'll come back to me. There'll be a point where I'll take my time. But the fact that they were making that conscious decision made something click in my mind. Okay. No matter what, there's a sacrifice somewhere between someone of something that you wanted to do at that moment in time. So I'm When I know I'm ready for that sacrifice is I think when I know I'm ready to have kids. That's so true. I mean, my husband is in a touring band in The Strokes and they are touring and making albums and I have a full-on career too. And we're together for 20 years. We try to schedule things so that when he's on tour, there's always a parent at home. And when I'm shooting a series or whatever it is I'm doing that he's at home with the kids, but you can't always do that. And so the times when both of us are working, it is hectic to try to take care of kids. And you know that your kids are suffering because they don't have a parent there. That's just the truth. When you had twins, I mean, that must've been like amplified times too. Is that right? It was so intense. Two is like four. I always say to people, One, you can take on the road with you, you can travel, you can go wherever you want, you just bring one. But when you've got two, it's like four because there are two different people who have two different needs, who are running in two different directions, who eat at different times, sleep at different times. It's like having your own kindergarten. That's how it was for me. Hilarious. So intense. Don't have twins. (laughs) Oh my God. No, it it was intense. So Idris, was he married previously or is this his first marriage? This is his second marriage. He's been married before, which actually 
is kind of nice in a way because I don't he know. Got the, he got the bumps out in that one. Yeah. You know, with anyone really, I was going to say with men, but it's not true. It's not exclusive to men, but I think it takes a while for us to develop in a relationship in terms of maturity. And I think, I don't know, is this politically incorrect to say that men develop slower? I think they do. And given that I have twins who are male and female gender, I can see the developmental stages are happening at different times. You see it emotionally with them? Oh yeah, for sure. My girl grew up emotionally a lot faster than my boy. But now my boy, his EQ is really high, but he was a few years behind her. See, like I always feel bad saying that because I think that there are men that I've come across in my life who seem so much more emotionally mature than I would have attached to them at that point in their life. People ask me quite a bit when we started dating, like, oh, he's so much older than you. And what's the age gap? 15 years. He's 72, I'm 88. (laughs) Wait, what is that? Quick math. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really bad at math. I think he's 15. You know, uh, just and I grew up in the same neighborhood. So I know him from London many years ago. I thought I sensed a bit of a British accent. Yeah. You kind of sound like a New Yorker Brit. Yeah, because I lived in New York for many years, I've got a very weird hybrid accent. But yeah, please say hello to your hubby for me because we both grew up in the same neighborhood. Funny enough, I feel that we're matched emotionally. I mean, if you heard that right now, he might be like, what the hell are you talking about? My husband is nine years younger than me. My first husband was 12 years older than me. My eldest daughter, her fiance is 12 years older than her. So I honestly think that age is somewhat irrelevant. It's about whether Mm -hmm. your life experiences are matching up. That's a good way to put it. If you love the conversation, then I wanted to tell you about another podcast I host called VS Voices. The VS Voices podcast provides a platform for women to speak their diverse truths, share personal stories, and advance discussions of issues that are important to them. You can listen to Voices on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Did you have healthy role models of marriage growing up? How do you know what you want your marriage to look like? I loved my mom and my dad's relationship, but they actually had an interesting one because she was in an arranged marriage, which is quite normal. But I did what culture is she from? We're East African, so Somali. And I think she was 16 when she found out she was getting married. And then they got married at 18. And he was quite a bit older from her as well. I didn't quite understand that until I was older. Because to me, is mom and dad, they're happy, they're fine. So I don't know if that's necessarily the right role model in terms of what I want in my life. Because I knew I didn't want an arranged marriage, for sure. Not because I saw anything wrong with my mom and dad's. I just wanted to have a crush on a boy that I like, that I choose. <laughs> and was lucky enough to be living in Canada with my mom, who is a little bit more culturally... Liberal. <laughs> yeah, liberal. <laughs> but I also have a lot of influences from like TV, like the Cosby show. That was such an influence on me as a kid because it was a Black family that was portrayed in a way that was normal and they were... Relatable relatable and still suffering through a lot of things that people of color suffer through, but were successful. And I thought their marriage was beautiful and funny, the way that they're always making each other laugh. And Mm -hmm. that was a huge influence in my early life. So, I mean, we watched a lot of TV growing up. Obviously my mom was working so much. So, you know, as a kid who's home alone, of course you turn on the TV. Yeah. And those are the examples we get, which is why the stories we put out in the world are so important because some kid somewhere is 
listening to it, watching it and going, okay, that's a, maybe I can role model myself after that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. I never really thought about that before, but it's so true. It's so important to put stories out there that inspire and provide positive representation and all that jazz. It really is because it shaped me as a person for sure. I think it's really interesting that you have your podcast coupled in because being part of a couple, I've been a part of a couple for 20 years and it's a complicated multi-layered dynamic when you've got two people who are charismatic, opinionated, have their own paths in life, and then you come together and you create a path together, but without abandoning your individual paths. And so I think it's really interesting. I want to talk a little bit about why you and Idris decided to launch a podcast about coupledom, because it is such a complicated conversation to have. And I love that you're doing it. And I'm hoping that people are honest when they come on, because we could all really benefit from honest discussion about relationships. What was your impetus for doing that? Because you could have done something by yourself. So why did you decide to do something together? Yeah, so that is the podcast that we started in the height of kind of lockdown when we were feeling a bit isolated and realizing the importance of relationships around us, but also as newlyweds thinking we want our relationship to be the best that it can be. And we think the best way to do that is through conversation. So we started the podcast really as a learning experience for ourselves. We realized though, relationships of all kinds were important. There's an underlying sort of commonality between all relationships, whether they're romantic, familial, business, best friends, that kind of plants seeds and makes it grow into the successful relationship that it can be. So we don't only talk to romantic couples, we talk to relationships of all kinds and duos of all kinds, particularly ones that inspire us. We had an episode with Ben and Jerry I mm. cannot tell you was one of the most inspiring conversations I've ever had. Amazing. Because when we started the company, we were thinking we want to do something that has our values and our ethics instilled in it. And they did just that at Ben and Jerry's and managed to carry that on to the company even after it was sold. Because they were so ingrained in the fiber of it. Yeah, that's a that. real success story to be able to do that, right? Totally. You said marriage therapy. I'm a big advocate for therapy. And when I have mm. friends who are getting married... The first thing I say is go into therapy before you get married, because there's a lot of things once you get married that you may not even realize that it would be helpful if you're on the same page. Things like what religion do you want to raise your kids, if any, just things that you don't even think about until you're in it. I would not be married today were it not for various therapy modalities that we've done as a couple. So I'm wondering, do you guys do couples therapy? What's your perspective on the tools that keep a relationship strong? Oh my God, I absolutely agree. I think therapy is fundamental to relationships. There is a bit of a misconception though that therapy is one medium and it's you go to an office, you find someone, you sit in front. I think people need to find whatever works for them. I absolutely. think therapy it is so different to every single person, whether it's having a conversation with your partner and doing it yourselves or reading together or traveling together or ways that you find that enhance your emotional state together, whatever that might be. So we try and find all different ways. And this podcast is definitely one of those ways. Conversation for us is ultimate therapy, speaking to other people and realizing, oh my God, you guys go through that too? We just did that last week. Why do you think I have a series called The Conversation? And yeah. this is the whole <laughs> point. Also from the place of wanting to share experiences and share solutions and to connect people so they feel less alone. 
that's the whole premise of why I made the conversation. So I'm fully on board with that. But have you done traditional therapy where you have gone in and talked to a therapist? No, not yet. We haven't done anything that traditional. That's something that I'm not opposed to at all. I think it's more of a schedule thing (laughs) to be able to have time and sit in the same room and not just want to be on the couch and watch Netflix. We've just found ways to grow together, especially through lockdown, where I feel we got we got so much closer in some way. And it was that way or the other for a lot of couples, wasn't it? It was a like lot. you got really close or you got divorced. Yes. <laughs> was oh no my God. Yes. It was no in between. You know, we may do it just taking the time and I think is what we needed from the beginning because Idris has worked nonstop from the start of our relationship. And it's one of the things that I admire about him, but it's also great when he gets the time to be able to sit at home and we get to grow Mm -hmm. with each other. So we had a bit of that at the beginning of lockdown. And And what are some of the things that you do that help you feel connected? I think we definitely connect through music as our number one. So since like literally our first date was just listening to the new Tribe Called Quest album and talking about the lyrics and music and what we like and dancing in the living room, like we were that really cheesy corny couple. I love like that. Singing through each Playful. other. I mean, Idris is more music than he is film. And it, it, a lot of people don't realize that about him. He DJed before he acted. So he, that's how I knew him. I knew him as a DJ. I didn't, I was like, wait, this guy's acting. I thought he was a of musician. So hearing him light up when he speaks about music, I just, I can't take my eyes off him when he's into it and singing and dancing. And he's such a cute dancer. And I think for us, That's like the best thing that we could do together. Do you enjoy being part of kind of celebrated couple? So weird to think of it that way because it's almost like I still see myself outside of that couple because I'm like, oh yeah, I get to be with such an amazing person. And then I forget that, oh wait, are people looking at us like we're a thing together? And it's so humbling because they're like, okay, if anyone thinks that I'm worth talking about, great. Cause like, it can be pretty boring, especially on a Sunday night. Sometimes it's thrown in your face when you're out and you can't stay at a restaurant or you can't go to the pharmacy and we can't do things that just walk around in the park, like that regular couples do. We can't get 10 steps because everyone is at a dress. In some ways it can be a bit frustrating, but in some ways, obviously he's celebrated for the work that he does. It's an interesting thing when somebody joins in a partnership with someone who's high profile. And I had that experience myself Mm. with a couple of long-term relationships that I had. Mm. And even though I was always someone who in my own right had a successful career and I was not an unknown person by any stretch of the imagination, when I partnered up with someone who was a lot more high profile than I was, I definitely had moments of feeling like, okay, I'm not as successful as my partner and how does that sit with me? And Mm. is that inspiring me to do more in my life or am I having moments of low self-esteem or it's definitely a thing that if you're not used to it, it can be quite overwhelming. So I'm wondering how it was for you joining a partnership with someone who has more visibility than you. Yeah, I mean, it's all consuming because anyone with that level of success you know, there's like a mini universe around this person. I'm not saying what I personally knew about myself changed, but how other people perceived me got erased the second that we became public. So I tried to look at it as a positive and use this platform that has been given to me to shape this public persona into something valuable to the world. And I do that through philanthropic work so that I feel not 
lost in this universe that I've joined because it is easy to feel a bit lost. Yes, it is. It's like this whole other identity has been given to you, which can be obviously very frustrating. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And I respect that you are looking at this as an opportunity as well to create the impact that you want to create. Because when, for whatever reason, whether it's through our own work or however we get the platform, it's like, all right, I got the platform now. What am I going to do with that? Absolutely. And I also think it's really important to maintain self-worth and integrity and a vision for how you want to see your life. And something that people used to say to me a lot through like comments or whatever, when we first got together was, oh, why does she have something to say? She's just Idris's wife or girlfriend or whatever. And, And I remember my mom said to me, do not let anyone make you think that your voice isn't important because it's the strongest thing that we have. And I carry thing that we have. (laughs) And I took that and I was like, you know what? She is so right. I'm always going to speak for what I believe in. And I'm always going to stand for what I believe in. And and if I want to talk about a pair of shoes, I want to talk about a pair of shoes. But if I want to talk about an issue that I feel is political importance to me, I will speak on that as well. So yeah, I just want to say what I want to say and live how I want to live. Because also at the same time, I'm very aware that it's amazing. I'm married to a brilliant actor. And, you know, my life changed in some way that I feel a lot more fortunate because I lead a lifestyle perhaps that I couldn't have led otherwise, or there's a visibility or now I have a voice. Yeah, no, no, I totally understand. Often when I interview women, I don't even talk about their partners because I feel like you're your own individual with your own path and opinions and perspective. And that's what I'm interested in. But I do bring it up only because you have this podcast together and because of the projects that you do together that I thought it was interesting that you guys had decided to do something that was so entwined. That was really interesting to me. So that's why I bring it up. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'm also, I'm in love with my husband. I'm happy to talk about him all the time. And that's one of the reasons we're working together is because I don't shy away from that. And I could have easily gone, I absolutely want nothing to do with you. I'm going to build my voice or whatever persona completely independently. But I find that we actually absolutely adore working together and that we want to build a legacy together. And these are things that I enjoy and speak about all the time. Mm, Beautiful. Thanks, Sabrina. So nice to chat with you. So nice to chat with you as well. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. And don't forget that if you love the conversation, then check out VS Voices, which highlights trailblazing women from around the world to celebrate the female experience. You can listen to Voices on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter and follow me on social media at Amanda Decadene.